0: Chapter Four Part Three of The Spring of Joy by Mary Webb. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Noel Badrian. Beauty Part Three The Beauty of Colour. The sun shone upon my bed with bright beams. With many glad gilden streams, And eke the welkin was so fair, Blue bright, clear was the air. Chaucer A rose that flushes in the bud Grows pure white in maturity. A sycamore leaf, from the moment Of its soft uncurling, Changes a little day by day Until the final flame of the year so the colors of all things fluctuate continually they seem to float round material forms migratory never a changeless possession of any nightly the darkness washes them out with her dusky brush and in the strong hands of the seasons they are ephemeral when the hazy freshness thickens daily round an older trunk one can hardly believe that anything so ethereal emanates from the black bark it is like a green gossamer from the evening west caught in the branches blossoming time in damson country when the whiteness foams over valley and ridge has the same effect of clouds resting on the trees to the eye of imagination all things stand haloed in colour that flickers and quickens mysteriously however much we may learn of chlorophyll chromogen and colour cells the pigments of nature that are made from earth and rain air and sun somewhere in the dark habitation of the roots and the airy galleries of the leaves we do not know why the same ingredients should clothe one petal with flame and another with blue we do not know what impulse sends up the water lily from the stagnant ooze in glistening white and lays a mauve mantle over the wisteria, that feeds upon corruption nor why two plants of the same genus in the same conditions should be so differently colored as are the blue and yellow gentian color like fragrance is intimately connected with light, and between the different rays of the spectrum and the color cells of plants there is a strange telepathy. These processes, so little explored, seem, in their deep secrecy and earthly spirituality, more marvellous than the most radiant visions of the mystics. Of all colors brown is the most satisfying it is the deep fertile tint of the earth itself it lies hidden beneath every field and garden it is the garment of multitudes of earth's children from the mouse to the eagle the men of the fields are russet clad and russet complexioned thousands of seeds from the heavy burr to the breeze-blown thistle-fluff are brown as the soil from which they come, to which they return, and of the same fruitful colour are the rushing streams, the pillars of the forest, and the buttresses of the hills. It is dim with antiquity, full of the magic that lurks within reality, and just as one stands in an ancient hall, gazing into the duskiness, and waiting for the coming of departed inhabitants, so one watches and listens in the tawny furrowlands for the tread of the myriads whose lives have gone to the making of them there is that in brown which surely speaks to all who are ever born into the world green is the fresh emblem of well-founded hopes in blue the spirit can wander, but in green it can rest A picture of vivid contrasts could be painted in green alone. There are a hundred shades of it in one field. Malachite, beryl, emerald and all the intermediate tints. Uncurling oak leaves have a dash of blue and a great deal of sienna. Daffodil leaves and holly are blue-green. Young larches are sky and gamboge. There is a great deal of red in the tender young leaves of birches. Fir needles have a whitish line on the underside. Yews are black-green. The laburnum is toned with grey. Because it is so plentifully mixed with other colours, it is never crude. It also has endless variation of transparency and opacity. Beech leaves in May are so pellucid that you can almost see through them. Rhododendrons are so solidly coloured that they reflect the light. The best of all greens are in the tender plants of spring woods and meadows. The anemone, the red-spotted sorrel, ferns of fine texture, glaucous mosses, sedges even cooler to look upon than water not a place on earth need be destitute of green the desert has its cactus the sea its translucent weed however poor a man may be he can have a sprig of green by his door even if it is only a trail of ivy in a broken jar the saddest place can have its green shoot of hope the same hope that irradiates the burgeoning forest deep in men's hearts there lives this spirit of hope or religion renewed each spring over churches of the sternest creeds the ivy is not afraid to climb and when the church has crumbled with its dogma the ivy covers all with its kindly curtain and speaks of a life greater than these and an evergreen love that embraces all those hot splendors of sunrise and sunset of first and last things red and gold are the colors of all man loves wealth and blood that is poured to gain it scarlet lips and yellow hair the sacramental chalice and the wine within nature is prodigal of them and autumn is their festival with its shining pavements of harvest its sierras of flaming bracken its burning woods and smouldering hedges and trees like tongues of orange and red flame no coolness of the blue above no liquidness of silver nights can quench their fierceness until they have consumed their prey they are the colors of crises in stormy dawns they put the darkness to flight with their bright scimitars and stain the streams and possess the sky to them belongs ripeness apple and pomegranate and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil to them belong the haughty beauty of tropical flowers and the terrible loveliness of fire and a blood-red blossom with a golden heart is the ancient emblem of passion mauve has a delicate artificiality something neither of earth nor heaven it is like the temperament which can express in sheer artistic pleasure heights and depths which it can never touch whether it is sultry as in lilac or cool as in ladies smocks this mingling of fierce red and saintly blue has an elfin quality hence comes the eeriness of a field of autumn crocuses at twilight when every folded flower is growing invisible and doubtless there is a fairy curled up in each children look for the little people in mauve flowers canterbury bells and hyacinths and though they never find them they know them there mauve enchants the mind lures it to open its amethyst door and behold nothing but emptiness and eldritch moonshine it is a Vivian crowned with nightshade and hellebarine leading with soft allurements to a country whose shores are of vanishing mist silver is akin to mauve foam and icicles dandelion clocks in the sun the moon and stars white flowers under the moon all have this pristine tint that is more a radiance than a colour that is without depth or shadow with a fleetingness like that of dreams it is the colour of the undersides of things white willow and poplar leaves are lined with it watching them one is reminded of the moment when a friend unexpectedly turns his remoter self towards one his white self that is so easily transfigured when the wind is in a plane tree the multitudes of leaves are suddenly ruffled so that the whole tree shines it is like watching a crowd of people under some soul-stirring emotion half the charm of silver in nature is due to its remoteness no ore of man's refining can attain the sparkle of a raindrop we cannot distill the radiance from a white narcissus nor rob the stars of their silver fleeces there is a perfect harmony of mauve and silver in a birchwood a little while before the leaves come the shining stems rise out of a faint purple mist which deepens in the distance above all the twigs are softly purple too and being very fine and numerous they make another haze higher up the straight silver rods gleam in long perspective in their setting of cloudy violet lost in it above and below any face might look out from that mist any white feet of nymph or hammer pass among the glimmering aisles in the dim lilac tinted distance it may be that merlin still sleeps in his vaporous magic circle blue is the rarest color the one which least often imprisons itself in material things there are few blue flowers and most of them are small and fragile like love in a mist and speedwell gentian is never so lavishly outspread as it is upon the heights symbolically near the sky blue expanses reflections in water the cobalt of distance are only lent to earth if we want endless satisfying blue We must look up to where it dwells in impalpable space, shining like solid enamel or liquid and vague. There is the roaming place of the mystic. Through the dissolving azure of a summer day he tries to probe. Into the impenetrable heavens of night he launches his spirit like a coracle among the stars. Blue is a holy color. The Sufis wore it with this significance, and it is fitly used for Madonna's robes and temple hangings, since the temple of our conscious and unconscious worship is canopied with it. Often a flash of sapphire in water, a shade of turquoise in the sky, will strike across the heart with an inexplicable pang. It is not sorrow, it is more than joy. It is at once the realization of a perfect thing the fear that we may never see it again and the instinct that urges us to ascend through the known beauty to the unknown which is both the veil and the voice that summons beyond it though winter may wear a sad colored garment it is shot with bright threads of reminiscence and prophecy orange oak leaves Lingering seed vessels on ash and lime, Crimson blackberry trails, Are recollections of past splendour. The sear and broken reeds and rushes, Gold and russet, Are like the piled trophies of some fairy warfare. Spear and sword and bulrush banner recall a time When conquering summer led forth his legions. There are dreams and dawnings of another summer also. The twigs that look so lifeless have minute buds on them, Vivid points of colour. The alders, purple buds and dripping gold of catkins, The red knobs on larches, The sticky brown chestnut buds, The green buds of the sycamore, Are all brilliant and warm with sleeping summer. The purple osier is already set with green points, from which are to emerge fluffy catkins, and the sallow is preparing its gold and silver blossoms, which are to be the early palm, dripping with honey and humming with insects. There are pale blooms of box and ivy, fir cones rich as pineapples in the sun, with flashes of blue-tits wings about them. Red pine trunks, shining grays of ash and beech bowl, vivid green of elder trees, holly, Robin Hood of the woods, flames in red and green. Blue-gray birds scud across the dim tufted meadows. The distant woods grow auburn as the leaf buds swell, and in their folds the shadows are like dwell after the turn of the year the tops of the poplars and aspens take the colour of ripe oats wildfire runs along the elms as the red buds push out in february is the bridle of the yew when one tree is covered with small wax cups the future berries and another is thick with honey-coloured flowers then at the least breeze the air is full of the gold dust of pollen in dark november comes the heyday of the mother tree she flushes into young rose tender as pink hawthorn but deeper all her sombre recesses of ancient green are transfigured by this surprise of beauty by these multitudes of japonica tinted berries At each spray's end, flutter missile thrushes, Their spread wings lined with silver. Upon the dark green background, This harmony of rose and pearl Glows like an old illumination. Its unobtrusiveness deepens the charm. Only the undersides of the branches Glimmer with color. Only the underwings have a moonlit look. Yet it is enough since we know that the dark wings can be transfigured, that the melancholy trees can sometimes stand beneath the pale sky in a rosy haze, as if ethereal dew had distilled upon them. The spirit of the picture is reminiscent of Orcagna's Assumption of the Virgin, in Alabaster, where angels hover round a berry-shaped mandorla in which mary is throned atmosphere that whimsical artist transforms the already brilliant world by clothing things in tints other than their own a wide sweep of country fascinates us not only by its innate beauty but by the airy blue of the far plain the smoking woods the hills like wet violets the haze that clings in the hearts of autumn trees that foams like a white sea round the stems in a larch copse and hangs pale lavender in the recesses of beech woods lends the trees more loveliness than their own brimming the valleys dimpling the fields it is the magic of a march morning Blooming over hills it adds mystery to their strength of outline near sunset soft films gather imperceptibly stealing over everything so that all colors while keeping their individuality are mixed with gold medium the clearest atmosphere throws a veil over actual things upon even a near horizon trees seldom look green but are etched upon the clouds in pale peacock and silver gray flaming at the sun's pleasure into bronze and copper often the most ordinary scenery puts on such colors as no painter would dare to imitate whoever cares to look may see his neighbour's barn standing in the celestial radiance of revelations or the fantastic brilliance of elfdom they can see ploughland red in the sunset as though stained with the blood of generations topaz pastures hedges of the blue of gobelin tapestry valleys sheeted in silver when the rising mist and the descending moonlight are interfused in heavy thunderous weather the earth returns to the iron age Everything is sombre, hard and grey until the sky grows hot for the melting and gives things the metallic look of lusterware. Sometimes in snow a miracle of air and light transforms the world into a great glowing rose. Atmosphere has no abiding place, no set rules for its coming and going. When you walk upon the hills their watch it raiment fades, And you cannot carry home The primrose mist of morning. All the more appealing Is this vagrant glamour, Because it only brushes The solid earth with swallow wings. The best way of seeing colour, Unallied with material form, Is to watch the sky, And when everything else is gone, It shines on still above us. Once, on a December evening, the clouds were in three distinct layers of colour, each moving independently, blown by a different wind. First came ebony. Beyond that, moving more slowly, a long, straight cloud of geranium. Above that, again, a soft stratum of brown, and through one tremendous gash in all three shone the kingfisher blue sky low in the west safe and far from the tempestuous masses stood hesperus around him ivory and crocus splashed the blue and just above the distant hills lay a line of green On a November morning, when the sky was faint and clear, and a lake of light widened momentarily along the horizon, the moon stood high up with a star at her feet, pale silver. Another star, not so near, was soon merged in the oncoming tawny flood, which softly inundated every little crevice of the bare trees on the skyline. Then in plunged the sun, swimming strongly, bent on reaching her, Who thought herself so safe up there in the great expanses, And she paled and slid away with her attendant star While he swam on with the tide of light that washed the sky. Winter sunrise gives the impression that all colors have been drawn from the earth And set in the treasury of the heavens there are the wild roses of summer hedges the young green leaves of spring there gold quickens reminding us that the sun has not forgotten his daffodils and the world warms her frozen breaths in the reflected glory often in the life of the mind also the sky brightens as the earth fades when the forlorn soul lies under a black frost and hears the long sigh of the snow-wind, when it seems that no shoot of hope can ever rise from an existence so bound and burdened, reduced to almost imbecile passivity, then across the eternal heavens trail the essential colors of life, and the frozen spirit flushes into rose. End of chapter 4, part 3